Hey, this is Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets, and you're listening to BT Talks Baseball on the 365 Sportscast Network. Take it away, Brett. Live from the launch pad in Huntington, New York, it's BT Talks Baseball, presented by 915 Construction and Design, home of Handyman Express. Now, here's Brett Topel. My first guest, as I just belatedly mentioned to you, is one of my all-time favorites. He is an actor, a comedian, a game show host, an author. He is best known, of course, as the iconic character Jay Peterman in Seinfeld. He's also hosted Family Feud. He appeared on Dancing with the Stars and has way too many credits for me to list. What not a lot of people know is that John O'Hurley is a huge Boston Red Sox fan and a very knowledgeable Boston Red Sox fan. So I'm really looking forward to talking to him about them. Uh, his love of the Red Sox is how I lured him here tonight. John, thank you so much for joining me right here on BT Talks Baseball. Oh, nice to be with you. Nice to be with you. And I couldn't think of a better sport to talk about. Ah, that's great. You know, John, before we get to baseball, and I know you're a huge Boston Red Sox fan, I, I have to ask you what it was like to play the role of Jay Peterman on Seinfeld, because not only is Seinfeld by, considered by many, or if not most, to be the greatest sitcom ever, you created such an iconic character uh, with Jay Peterman. Can you talk a little bit about it? Well, you know, I, I will say that, uh, you know, for one moment in time, I got to... Uh, <laughs> walk through St. Peter's Basilica. Uh, you always knew that you were part of something special when you were on the set of Seinfeld, um, to the point where I would always have anyone who was uh, playing an extra in a scene within the Peterman office, I would always say, please write down what you were wearing, save your script, think of everything you possibly can, keep it down because, and write it down because you will be watching this show with your grandchildren, and I can't tell you that that'll happen with any other show. Um, it was a one moment in time and, um, you know, four of the smartest actors that I've ever worked with. Uh, and I would say a brilliant take on a new style of comedy. Um, you know, we always call it sitcoms because it's situational comedy, but really it's a different style of comedy that they did. Basically the scenes were funny, the lines weren't, and you weren't funny. So don't try to be funny. Play the scene seriously, and they will be funny because of your temperament in the scene. So it was a different style of comedy, um, which allowed for some outrageous um, uh, characterizations, not the least of which was uh, was Peterman. And uh, he was, of course, a legend in his own mind. <laughs> That's definitely true. And, and I would disagree with you only because you were extremely funny in that role. Well, it was, you know, as, as long as I played it seriously, it was funny. If I, you know, if I didn't take that man for if, believing every word that came out of his mouth, then he wouldn't have been as funny as he was. How much did John O'Hurley become Jay Peterman during those years? Well, I did. even to this day, the character still lives. Um, I have many companies that uh, love the, the Peterman characterization for their spokesman. Um, I have uh, also that uh, silly thing that we do now on the air uh, called Cameo.com, where we do uh, video shout-outs, uh, you know, 
two-minute happy birthdays to friends and for retirements and what have you. And uh, I do those, but I do them as Peterman monologues. And uh, they, they become enormously successful, and they have a, a wonderful niche. I think people, I, I think because at, at his essence, Peterman was a storyteller, and a bit like a Mr. Magoo, he was just an absurdist. One of the things that's interesting about the character is that there really was a John Peterman and there really was a J. Peterman catalog. I always wanted to ask you, did, did you ever meet Mr. Peterman? And if so, what was his take on the character? Well, I'll give you the P.S. to the whole story. It, takes, uh, it goes one step further. I owned the company. The real J. Peterman and I uh, were friends all the way through the Seinfeld and you know parody, uh, oddly because we were joined at the wrist and ankles, and he lost his identity to me, and they'll never get it back. Um, and uh, so, but they had some financial troubles a year after Seinfeld ended, and so he called me up and uh, said, "You know, I've got the company out of Chapter Eleven. What do you say we put the company back together?" under our parallel strengths, and so since 1999, I have been a part owner of the J. Peterman catalog. I guess you could say I like the role so much, I bought the company. That is fantastic, and, and you know, when I was younger, I actually had one of J. Peterman's authentic baseball glove leather wallets. I loved it. Ah, uh, yes, yes. The leather goods from the, uh, the company are second to none. They really are. If you want to go, and if anybody's interested, go to jpeterman.com and you'll see the, you'll see the, uh, the actual company that we parodied uh, with all of the goods and the, and the adventure stories, uh, the, you know, the Hemingway stories about an Oxford button-down. That's so great. And John, let's shift to baseball now because I know you're a big fan and I know you're a big Red Sox fan and and maybe you could tell us a little bit about how that came to be, how you became a fan of the Boston Red Sox. Well, you know, I, I as, as most kids will admit, they became uh, uh, baseball fans because of their dads. Uh, and that was so true in my situation, living in the Boston area. And my dad was uh, doing his internship at Beth Israel um, in uh, Ear, Nose, and Throat uh, Medicine. And... Um, so we would go, uh, when I was three, four, five years old, we would go at night to Fenway Park. Now, it was significantly less expensive back then, and you could sit in better seats than you can now. Um, and so we would sit along the third baseline, and uh, it'd take me to uh, twi-night doubleheaders back when they had them. Uh, I got to see Ted Williams play his last two seasons. Uh, not that I was aware of it that much, but I certainly was aware of the fact that people were aware. And um, so I do remember the the fanfare for him. Um, and I always brought my uh, I always brought my baseball glove to the game, so that any time there was a foul ball, my father would say foul ball, John. And I'd stand up and put my arms in the air, hoping to catch it. Now, the foul ball could be on the first base line. It didn't matter. It was, <laughs> I still would stand up. But it was, uh, yeah, I mean, wonderful memories. And sadly, my dad uh, passed away uh, just about a year ago um, and um, in the Boston area there. And so, uh, you know, fortunately, every year I got to take him to, uh, to Fenway Park. We've had some wonderful memories there. And as, as time has gone on and I've become closer to the team, uh, I was able to do more important things with my dad. The, um, I, I'll, I'll look back to the 50th anniversary of the first day that I went to uh, Fenway Park. Uh, my dad remembers that day and the game and the team. And um, on Nesson, uh, New England Sports Network, uh, uh, back when uh, Terry Francona was still head coach there, uh, we did uh, uh, Tom and uh, and uh, myself and my dad and my son because I brought my son. My uh, he was then four years old. Uh, 
my young son to uh, Fenway Park for the first time. So it was kind of a, a wonderful half-hour show they did on Nesson, uh, kind of a pa- passing of the baton, and uh, brought tears tears to our eyes. That's fantastic, and I'm actually going to skip ahead a couple of questions because you mentioned your dad, and of course I, I became a baseball fan because of my dad as well and, and go to games with him every year. And What was it like for you and your dad, I guess, in 2004 to, to have the curse finally broken after all those years and see the Boston Red Sox win a championship? Well, it's funny because uh, I, my wife and I, in 2004, uh, we got married that year as well. In fact, we had a Red Sox wedding cake uh, and actually celebrated uh, our, uh, part, our honeymoon, part of our honeymoon at Fenway Park. Wow. Um, and uh, we had, uh, uh, it was, we started to feel the personal responsibility, as everybody else did, that you had to do, you had to develop your own personal superstition to help the team. So we had to sit in the same positions every night on the sofa. The dogs would be shrouding us on either side of the sofa. And we had to have the exact same wine poured exactly the same way. Um, it, it became uh, such a fun thing every night to sit down and watch them uh, just, you know, work their work their way, swing by swing, stolen base by stolen base, uh, through that incredible series with the Yankees, which will go down as... Uh, as I, I, one of the great sporting events of all time, and I can watch that. I can watch that Dave Roberts steal um, time and time again, and still wonder how he did it when the entire world knew that he was going to steal. Absolutely, and then for them to finally win that next series and sweep the card. I mean, if, let me yeah. let me put it this way. Let yeah. me put it this way. If you were to if you were off in Papua New Guinea with the little naked natives of Bantu Besh, they would say, Yes, David Roberts is going to steal. <laughs> well that you should, could have had a David Roberts scarf or something in the catalog. <laughs> so you got to share the them winning the championship with your dad, which must have been great. Oh, it's just it was you know you know it's funny though. Um Liza Minnelli sings a song uh, in in a Broadway show called Flora the Redhead Menace. She sings a song called The Quiet Thing. And she in there, she said, you know, when you hold the world right inside your hands, it's funny, but the birds don't sing. It's a quiet thing. And ultimately, when these great momentous things happen in your life, once there, once it happens, all of a sudden there's this moment of quiet. And it's like, okay, that's it. They won. You know, it's like you can only jump around the room so many times, and then you realize that 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 moment of quiet, and and now it's it's in the past. Uh, and I do remember that of, of going, you know, the the anticipation, the anticipation, and the final out, and you know, screaming as as loud as everybody could. But then all of a sudden, there was that moment of silence. And of course, the Red Sox have won several times since then, and. And but what do you think about the team now, and, and and how they've built the team? And it's kind of an interesting philosophy they've taken. I'm not sure it's going to be successful or not. They don't. They've they've traded off a lot of their their players. Of course, guys like Mookie Betts. But what what's your take on the team these days? Well, I I, I think you know I'll never agree with the trading off Mookie Betts. I think that was the one of the that was a Ruthian decision of. Of you know, I mean, the, the, the man as, as he proved last year. I mean, the man is just growing in his uh, um, his dominance of the game and, and defensively and offensively. And I think that was such a great loss. Um, that being said, I don't think, and this is, I think, probably my main uh, point of uh, conjecture right now is not to regard last year as a telling moment. Um, it was a strange, absurd year for baseball. 
when players weren't sure that they were going to even be suiting up, when they were concerned about other things, um, and also um, not having the, the, the technical resources that they would normally have. The whole game was different for them. Uh, last year, I mean, for example, JD, Mar- you know, Martinez. Uh, he's he's a man who loves to uh, look at his videotapes. He didn't have that opportunity last year. That's well, that throws him that throws him off his game. Um, you have Benintendi that was kind of working off his own injuries, um, so he wasn't able to help out. I just look back on last year and say, don't throw too much weight on it. You've got an extraordinarily talented team now. That said, they've let Jackie Bradley go, and I think that's a ter- tremendous mistake. I believe Jackie Bradley can possibly save you one run per game just with the way that he plays that center field like nobody else does. I mean, that's that's a Willie Mays character, if ever there was one. I, I just I wish that they would relax and, and, and kind of assuage this pressure that they feel to they've got to change, they've got to change, they've got to change. Yes, pitching is terrible. Pitching is terrible, and you don't know what it's going to look like. You had some wonderful um, young kids come up towards the end of last season that were just unbelievable, both offensively but also uh, on the mound. Um, let's hope that carries through. But that's the great unknown right now. Now, you know, now that they have, uh, they've upgraded with uh, uh, Adovino, um, I, I think that's, uh, that's a strong positive. I, I would say anytime you can steal, when you can pluck a feather out of the, uh, or pluck an arrow out of the Yankees' quiver, um, you should, and, and that was, I think that was a smart play. Uh, albeit it's going to be a short-term one, but uh, it's, I, I hope uh, it's, uh, I hope it uh, pays off. John, you're such a knowledgeable fan, and, and obviously you've been a fan for so many years. Uh, who is your all-time favorite Red Sox and why? Hmm. Well, you know, I, I love Ted Williams because he was just so positive. I mean, that was that was the athlete's athlete, and he was so, um, you know, he was the perfect example of the Boston professional athlete. They do their work, and they go home. He's a just, you know, he, he was a Dustin Pedroia. Uh uh, he was a Larry Bird. Um, you know, he was all you know the qualities of all the great Boston. Bobby Orr, same way. They did their work and they went home. They, they, there was so little fanfare, uh, and Ted Williams was just you know honestly the greatest greatest hitter there was. And uh, you know, and just imagine how much better he would have been had he not felt his um, you know the courage to to uh, serve his country. Uh, and uh, have a few more years in there as well. But um, just, uh, you know, an extraordinary man, uh, an extraordinary example of what a, a true athlete is. And and also, again, I go back to a true example of what the Boston athletes are. Well, John, you never know what a baseball season is going to bring, and, and perhaps this is going to be a year that the Red Sox sneak in and, and get, uh, you know, they, the American League East is certainly – uh, difficult. The Yankees are good. The Blue Jays have gotten better. Do you think the Red Sox can give them a run and sneak up on somebody? I think it's going to depend a lot on on how this uh, this uh, starting rotation shows up. You know, I mean, if you look back, you know, in that awful year that we had last year, you know, they were shoot, they were shooting themselves out of. Um, uh, you know, by the end of the first, by the end of the first inning, they were mathematically eliminated from the game. Um, so if they can, if they can keep those runs down and early on, and allow the bats, that Boston's always had their prowess at the plate, and Boston is a hitter's park, and uh, it's a great way for the the, uh, 
uh, for them to, um, you know, they can answer with runs, but you can't, you know, you can't be down five to nothing at the end of the first inning and do that every game and not think that that is going to just, you know, kick the pants, kick, uh, kick the uh, team right in the pants uh, in terms of their uh, uh, morale. You know, you just can't keep doing that. John, I can't thank you enough uh, for joining me tonight. Obviously, such a such an iconic role uh, you created with Jay Peterman. It's it's so great to talk baseball with you tonight, and, and thank you so much for joining me here on BT Talks Baseball. Great to talk to you as well.